Oh, oh, one more thing. Yes, Just One More Thing, a podcast all about Columbo. I'm John Morris. And I'm R.J. White. This time we're talking about Murder in Malibu. Originally broadcast May 14th, 1990, written by Jackson Gillis, directed by Walter Grauman, starring Andrew Stevens, Brenda Vaccaro, Janet Margolin, and Peter Falk as Columbo. And every episode of the podcast, we are joined by a special guest. This time, we are rejoined by a pair of special guests. It's pop culture critics and writers for the AV Club, Donna Bowman and Noah Murray. But before we bring them on, RJ, uh, what do you do when you see a snowball starting to move? Romance novelist <laughs> Teresa Gorin has found the love of her life. Tennis pro slash actor Wayne Jennings. Turns out, however, that she's overlooked a couple more slashes. Slash unemployed layabout. Slash two-timing gigolo. When the game is up and his lady juggling act is found out, she calls him, while he's sleeping with someone else in Palm Springs, to break off the relationship. Or does she? In a panic, he speeds across I-10 to commit a bit of early morning murder. Or does he? It's left to Columbo to unravel the threads of a pot boiler so filled with twists and turns it'd fit right between the covers of a romance novel complete with a Fabio-esque dude's heaving chest on the cover. At the very least... Columbo gets to enjoy a hard-boiled egg and handle some women's underwear. Or does he? Well, yeah, he does. At least the, uh, <laughs> the underwear thing. I'm still not entirely clear on the whole egg deal if he ever finished that. But he definitely, definitely touched uh, the women's underwear a lot. Donna, Noah, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. Um, so, I, I refresh my memory when we set this up. You folks, you'd picked this one voluntarily, right? From what we had left from the list of stuff we gave you, or no? It's all we, null. Well, yeah, we did. I mean, okay, enlighten me on that, please, won't you? Well, there weren't that many choices left from this era, right? Um, I am not as down on the later period Columbos as I know you guys are. I think they have their charms. Well, um, that's generous. Yes, we've been we've been changing our attitude as we do these. Yeah, a little bit. Some, okay. some more than others, but yeah. Yeah, so, so this one, I just I remembered that it was kind of an unusual approach to the mystery. Uh, also, you know, I like Brenda Vaccaro. Um, and, uh, you know, there's really actually one particular reason why I picked this more than anything else. It's because uh, Donna gets very uncomfortable with the word panties. Yeah. <laughs> Which comes up quite a bit in this episode. There's no, yes. no voice has ever been best suited to saying panties the way that Peter Falks has been suited. That's true. Yeah, I'm so glad that Noel led with that because now every sentence in this podcast is <laughs> It's like they say, I could listen to uh, Peter Falk uh, read the phone book as long as every single entry uh, was just for panty stores. So, um, yes, panties. as they always say. We'll try to be mature. Anyway, uh, where should we start with this one, folks? Because I think John and I have quite diverging opinions about it. Do you? Oh, yeah. You tell. Very John, you go first. Well, okay, so I'll, I'll just fill in. RJ uh, gave this one two chances. Yeah. And it, as I understand from your, your IM, it does not, it did not resonate with you and you did not warm to it. No, no, not really. Not and really. then my, my counter argument to that is, uh, one, you're wrong. And two, <laughs> two this episode owns completely. <laughs> this is one of my favorite 90s episodes. Really? I had Say never that. seen it. Seriously. I, 
seriously, I had wow. never seen it before. This is one of the ones I'd never caught. Oh, me, me, no, I, I, I neither. And either way, it's, it's English. It works. Uh, and I just, I decided that I loved it, and for a multitude of reasons. Like when we were my my wife and I were watching it on on Sunday, and I was losing my mind with how much I was enjoying it. Really, in part, and I will say, I, I can't understand. I can't tell. Like, and we were we were talking about on the uh, the chatter there. I couldn't tell if you were uh, pulling my leg or not. Like if you were pulling no, I was, layered or something. I didn't know. I what was, was going losing on. it. I was laughing. Really? I was shouting. I just everything about it was stunning to me. Goodness. Um, yeah, and we'll get we'll get to it as the episode goes on, but I think okay. I have like 12 reasons why I loved it. But let's have our guests talk about it first. Yes, please do. <laughs> how, how did you folks feel about this thing? Um... There we go! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I can't get past um, our, our, our villain, our hero... Um, <laughs> whatever his name was, Wayne. 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 Yeah. Which point, boy, uh, what a heartthrob's name, Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, it's it's the romantic Wayne. Yeah. yeah, he um, he's you know he's in a lot of this episode, and <laughs> he's, he's he's really really terrible. So, he is. Uh, the acting, it's not, yeah, the acting for the most part in this episode, it it's not stellar. I, yeah, I will, I will admit that, and actually, that's part of its charm to me. But yeah, it's terribly acted. Yeah, yeah, it is. I, I, I do enjoy the way that Wayne uh, like goes from zero to affronted. Like every right. time he, like, right. anything, comes, anything comes up, it's like uh, you know, uh, Columbo casually mentions tennis twice, and he goes, "There's more to life than tennis." <laughs> but he doesn't I, act like it. There's more to life than tennis. He feels like he acts like tennis is the, one of the two most important things in his life. I, I strongly suspect he had lost the match that he was going to go play, and he was just getting really pissed about it. That could be. I, could be. I'm not sure if he ever really set foot on a tennis court. Yeah, actually, I think that. Yeah, he just they carries did. around five rackets at all times. Four rackets. So it I've seems never like seen it's, so many rackets. Yes, it's not golf. <laughs> you don't have different rackets for different types of tennis. It's like you've got a tennis racket. That's how that works. Uh-huh. It's not like, oh, I got my sand racket. Oh, I got my wedge racket. No, you just have a racket. You have a tennis racket. Can I have a nine wood? Oh. <laughs> Goodness. No, I really, um, you know, his whole um, community theater, hold me back, I'm going to punch him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, you know... That was that was really hard to watch for an hour and a half. Yeah, I, I can't I can't argue with you there. No, oh. get it get in here on team correct. Okay, well you know here's the thing. Um, you know one of the things with these 90s episodes that I find both interesting but not always successful is that they try to kind of vary the formula a little bit. So my memory of this one, and one of the reasons why I picked it, is my memory was that you know it was going to look like it was the dude who had done the murder. But that it was actually Brenda Vaccaro, and that you know they were going to uh, hold her back for a while, and then and then reveal that it was her. So I mean, I, I was kind of interested for that reason, and I had kind of forgotten how the mystery played out. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I I do like the fact they try to change it up a little bit. By the same token, I have to admit there is something a little non-Columbo-y about not actually seeing the murder before we figure out what happens. That was bogus. Yeah. I... <laughs> I guess, but John, you kind of liked that aspect of it. But in the past, that's happened 
where they messed the formula a bit too mm. much, and we've kind of been like, eh, oh, I think Columbo, we're... why would you? But I think, John, you kind of liked it because of the structure and what it seemed like. And Well, you, please, go ahead and yeah, say... That's, that is, we do have like half and half on it, because we go to another Jackson Gillis scripted episode to Last Salute to the Commodore. Right, yeah. Which was... <laughs> As, as far as the 70s go, the least Columbo-like episode. And we ended up really I thought appreciating it was fun that. and strange. Yeah. yeah, it's like it was an episode of The Prisoner and with Columbo in it, which was right. terrific. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the complete – I really appreciate that especially in 1990 when this is bring Columbo's really being brought back as a nostalgia program. They're trying to capture all the people who grew up within the 70s or watching in the 70s. And they're trying to like corner that particular area of the market. So I like that – even though it's a nostalgia act, here's what we get from this episode. Not only does the murder take place really late, you kind of don't know who's going to get murdered. Like, up to the point when he gets killed, I thought he was a likely target. I thought that really? redhead lady he was with was yeah. a likely target. Oh. I thought there were likely targets all over. <clears throat> it takes forever to learn why he does it. Like, you kind of get an idea, but... You don't get it confirmed until literally almost the end of the episode when the lawyer lady that he had broken up with Laura accountant or whatever she was. Right. Uh, there's, I got I to say this about this episode too and I'll come back to this. I have never seen an episode of Columbo and I really don't think I've seen a lot of TV shows with this many women in it. Yeah. To the degree that I started to lose track of who is who. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because usually I, I, once, I once saw a, a, a screening of Welcome to the Five and Nine, Jimmy Jean, Jimmy Dean on a cable channel. So that's pretty close. That's close. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so you know, she confirms later on that yeah, there's a million dollars at stake, but that takes forever to get to that. And I like that they kind of tease that out and take their time. I like that there were two major twists. You know, when we were talking to um, uh, Daniel Kibblesmith and, and Jen Ashley Wright about uh, Grand Deceptions, which is, you know, a very bad 90s episode. Mm-hmm. We were t- we mentioned briefly, like, how cool it would have been if a second murder had, a co- had happened in the middle of a Columbo episode. And that kind of, is kind of what happened here. All of a sudden, the, the, everything we knew about the murder changed. And that never happens in Columbo. You see the murder. You know what the murder is. You know how it happened. This time, we were halfway through, and they said, you don't know how it happened. Live with it. And then we kind of got a whole second story. Um, I really like that the, the killer was – or the first killer, uh, Wayne, was – the worst human being. <laughs> right, yes. He not only was he sticking it in everybody in California. Yeah, he's a weasel and an asshole pretty much. And he was he, is, he yeah. was not gentle. That no. was the thing that really took me when he's in the hot tub with uh when I can't remember her name, but with the the victim. Oh, with and Helen, she's with uh, not Helen. No, um oh boy, god, the that's uh, Kevin, I think. And she's <laughs> waffling <laughs> about getting married. He grabs her oh, hair. Oh, grabs her hair. Yeah, that's, oh, that's yeah, surprising. Right. Yeah, it's like, and oh, she doesn't really react, so I don't even know what That's to take from that. Normal for her, I guess. Ooh. And then when when he like jumps out, we get the twist where Rosa the maid is Teresa, also Teresa. Sorry, was it Teresa? Yes. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Teresa Gordon was the author. Yes. Yeah, when he jumps out and like grabs Rosa the maid. Yeah, that's weird. Too. Really grabs her, and like she looks terrified. I think because he is like I have a screen cap, and he is just grabbing the hell out of her. So he's a horrible dick. And I've taken a lot of time to explain why I like it, but I want to get to one more thing, and I'm so sorry to eat up so much 
of the podcast. No, okay, because I have nothing else to talk about this episode. So please <laughs> take your time. I have a I have an eleven by fourteen sketchbook page. Just oh, all I've got is a Tom <laughs> Dreesen. That's it. That's uh, other than that, I got nothing. So yeah, you put the E's backwards. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I don't know if Donna and Noel are familiar with the Columbo as an antibody theory that we break out on the show, where. You know, the idea is that uh, television is an organism, the, the networks are its organs, the individual shows are its cells, and sometimes one of those shows gets mis- metastasized when one of the characters on it decides to murder one of the other characters. <laughs> and then Columbo comes in as an antibody and solves the murder, puts the killer away, and then that show just vanishes. Those bad cells are killed and they just erase from history. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we've established that he's been on a, on a lawyer show, like uh, in the Dabney Coleman episode, right. Murder yep. of a Rockstar. He's been on a couple of sitcoms, Any Old mm-hmm. Port in a Storm and Death Hits the Jackpot. He's been in a rom-com by way of... Um, uh, Which one? In that Faye Dunaway episode. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. kind of. It was, yeah, it's all it was the kind game. of an yeah. arc. It's all the game. Um, but this time, he's not even in television. He's in a romance novel. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that – I, I like the idea of that. And more than that, though, here's what I liked about it. So it was happening, and I really loved it. I loved that we were in a romance novel. And then, you know, Columbo shows up, and the, the murder happens, and you're like, okay, so that's it. We're out of the romance novel the the romantic hero the one that the the that the books based on basically would never kill the romantic lead but he does you're like okay we're out of the romance novel and we weren't we came back to the romance novel and every time it looked like they were taking us out of the tropes of a romance novel we'd go right back in and i just thought that was amazing i was constantly on my toes with this episode okay <laughs> so i don't like ro- i'm not a big fan of romance novels and I'm not a big fan of soap operas, and this whole thing just felt like a very boring, boring soap opera. Like a boring uh, 90s soap opera, and that's where I just kind of like, eh. I know there's one thing you loved in this, RJ. I, what is I haven't that? talked to you about it before, but I guarantee you, you loved that that one old neighbor who's lived with her father. Uh, yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. The, the wacky yeah. neighbors were strange. That was a neat, weird thing to add in. That was it, fun. That yes. was pretty awesome. I, I really enjoyed that they took the time to give us a little tour of the neighborhood just to show how, that Wayne can can charm anyone. Yes, mm-hmm. with, with no good reason, people. though. With no, there's nothing char- – there's nothing – He like, just does it reflexively. Yeah, he but, has that ugh. but he's just a, a greasy creep. He's, oh, just yeah. a, he's just a weird – he's not even that attractive and just it's <laughs> – yeah, no, it's I, bizarre. I, 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 yeah, no, I'm, I'm with Donna, though, because one of the things I like about Columbo – is that um, he takes you through different kind of aspects of Los Angeles and Los Angeles culture. Yeah, and, that was good in this, yeah. And, and the fact that this particular episode spends so much time, not just at that gorgeous house in Malibu, but going through all the different neighbors, seeing the different kind of people who live there, um, and also spending, as you mentioned, the maid, you know, getting to see spending time with the servants. There's that little diner. I mean, I don't know. I, I really feel like in, in terms of giving um, a sense of scope to the show, um, I think this is one of the better episodes for that because not only do you get all that, but you also get all the stuff with uh, the business, with the publishing business, and the no, true. and the agent, and you get that crazy uh, television talk show that she goes on to. And, and the the, the, uh, the fellows with the uh, cable company also, which actually oh, yeah. uh, the cable company, their hats. Oh yeah, I looked this up, but the logos on their baseball caps, uh, they're the logos from the car company in Gung Ho. <laughs> okay. Asan, they're the Asan, they're Asan Motors hats. 
apparently the wardrobe people just picked up somewhere. Yeah, which is weird. That's thrifty. Yeah, yes, exactly. It's very thrifty. It's well, just such a strange thing. What I like in this episode, I liked um, some of the camera work. I liked how they came out of Teresa's bedroom, you know, and kind of dollied along the upstairs and then looked through the bars of the, you know, the railing and you see him shoot, right? It was some nice camera work. I like that cutout in the house that they shot through all the time, that circular cutout in the wall. Mm, okay. That was super cool. I liked that we um, spent so much time on Los Angeles uh, or Southern California streets and highways. It was fun to kind of see, you know, people driving along on those highways in 1990. Um, and I really liked Janet Margolin. I think she was very charming. Oh, I think she was too. Yeah, yeah. I liked her quite a bit. Yes, every the, the author. They, yeah. Every time they went to that videotape of her on the talk show, she got more and more luminous. And mm. I thought she was just beautiful and charming and lovely. That being said, I hated what they did to Brenda Vaccaro. How could <laughs> they, how could she have been so angry at Wayne and then just like, he put, he put a spell right. Yeah, what, yeah. He's that heck? charming. Uh, well, <laughs> well, no, the script said he was that charming, and that's the yeah. only reason. There was nothing at all in his performance, nothing along, nothing at all about the guy uh, to justify it. It's one of those things where, well, it, it was like the, uh, as you mentioned earlier, the Dabney Colin episode, where like, well, we're told he's a great mm-hmm. uh, litigator. That's it. Because <laughs> that's the, the, script, uh, the script says it, that's it. So you have yeah, to, the studio, it's the Studio 60 problem that really happens in the 90s Columbos a lot. Oh, the Studio 60 problem. I like that. That's a great way yeah. to put that. Yes. You just, this is they, a brilliant comedy show. It's cutting edge. <laughs> because we told you it's brilliant and cutting edge. Yeah. Because yeah. they're doing Gilbert and Sullivan sketches and late night comedy oh, television because the country loves that. Ugh. That's our next RJ. show. We're doing we're doing six studio sixty. That's uh, our next podcast. I'll do so, it, but God help me. It'll be two episodes long. So on, on the, the whole, uh, yeah, sorry, on, sorry, go on. No, I know. No, on the whole idea of a, of, a, of a TV show that's not as good as it as it, as it made out to be. Uh, let's talk. Can we talk briefly about the talk show? That, yes, the, that's right. Yes, hosted and, and, by Tom Dreesen, uh, a longtime Letterman friend, stand up comic. And, and and that hostess has absolutely zero control over that show. <laughs> right. Yes. I mean, I, I know it's supposed to be aping the whole you know era of Donahue, and and the audience shouts things out, and he goes around. But I mean, you know, he's just you he barely get through a question before somebody else is yelling something and stepping over the line. And you know, come on, people, get a microphone. You walk up to the microphone. Let's make it. Well, but, but also, it's like those they they, they really portrayed uh, these women in the audience in that as being very yeah. desperate and lonely, which yeah, I didn't like yeah. entirely either. They I were thought all that was. Yeah. Old or or yeah. gawky. That's the, your romance novel fan for you. People I, who couldn't get a man if their life depended on. Yeah, I didn't. That, that was not a huge fan of that. I mean, it's, it seemed like it was an easy gag to go to. Yeah. I wanted to grab screen caps of everybody in that shot, and I don't like this turn of phrase, and I do not like to use it. But I was trying to get flattering angles. And they were just shot in such a way that it was impossible because they're all shot in the iPhone. Pose, you know what I mean? When you, you ha- you're holding your phone before you turn it on, you see the reflection of your face. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like chin first, and it's the worst. Mm-hmm. And they were all shot like that. So none of them could look 
I I don't want to say good. I mean, they just they look like they could not have been caught in a worse angle. And of course, that was done deliberately. Well, the but thing, also that's probably how Walter Roman shot his fifty three episodes of Murder She Wrote. So there you go. <laughs> We're gonna find out, RJ, when that podcast starts. <laughs> yeah, and his forty nine episodes of Barnaby Jones. <laughs> My God, this guy did a lot. Yeah. The anyway. uh, the thing about Dreesen in that is that he doesn't, as a host, he doesn't sound any different than the audience. Because the audience is, oh, oh come on, point. are yeah. you getting, you know, and then he does the same thing. And it's, that is a really weird bit of writing. I actually, I was bugged by that scene. Well, the whole, I mean, this, you know, the first 30 minutes or 20 minutes is just awkward exposition theater. I mean, every time. Oh, yeah, good way to put it. Yes. Every time we have somebody having a conversation you know, Teresa and Wayne are having a romantic moment. Oh, she's suspicious. This isn't six years ago. What happened? You know, they have, they get, they're getting all the information out. And, uh, you know, again, I, I think all the interactions are just poisoned by, you know, the need to get backstory out. So I, I want to ask John, does that yeah. fit in your whole view of this as being kind of a <clears throat> uh, thing being framed as a not good romance novel, and how much of that is trying to justify bad TV writing by saying it's based on a not very good literary genre? Well, okay, so I got a couple things here. One is to keep in mind that this is Jackson Gillis, and this is a guy who does have... Oh, no, he's done some stuff I've liked yeah. with Columbo. He, this was like, uh, we've done all but one of his episodes, Bird in the Hand. Yeah. But uh, he did... Yeah, I would describe him as being up and down because you know I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of his first one, which is suitable for framing. Which I, I thought was fun as heck. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean he he's got some mix, but I think we can credit him with being a really good writer. He's been wait, around. Wait, wait, hold since, on, Did we, have we done Dagger of the Mind? Yes, that's oh, the yes. Shakespeare. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, never mind. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah um, <laughs> that's the one where the Romulans attack the Enterprise. Exactly. Yes. Well. <laughs> So, I mean, I want to give him a ton of credit, especially yeah. because, you know, he started in radio and, you know, exposition is kind of a big thing when you write for radio. Yeah. And he, he did write a lot of kid stuff, so he might be kind of heavy on the exposition. But I will tell you that when my wife and I were first dating, uh, one of the ways that I was wooing her... Radio was, was still I, a dominant uh, medium. So it was. In between bringing oysters to the vaudeville performers, I would... I would run... I would run down to the uh, run down to the local newsstand run by a blind guy with a newsy cap on. But I would I would buy her romance novels. And oh, then I would read them and then I would annotate them kind of like sassing them or trying to make them more absurd crossing out bits and writing in my own stuff. Kind of like I was doing a mystery science theater on a romance novel and then oh. I would Give those to her because she was up in Flagstaff and I was in Tucson when we started dating. So, oh sure, because we, we all know how how far is that? I don't know. How far that is. It's a five hour, it's a five hour drive. Oh jeez, oh, oh my goodness. She was Christ. going she was going to college. That's ah, also yeah. she came back the following year. Anyway, so I would give those to her. So I've read a lot of romance novels. They're not good, uh, but I would say that that level of exposition is spot on. Yeah, it's the, true. The opening one we get, like, I want to see the, uh, so sorry, but it's when his, when his first girlfriend says, I want to see the great Teresa Gorin and find out what this is all about. That is absolutely romance novel stuff. I'm yeah, so yeah. sorry to interrupt, Donna. No, <laughs> but no that, that's absolutely right. Uh, I, I've read a lot of romance novels. I still read romance novels occasionally. And, and you're right. Awkward exposition is a thing. Well, okay. So, but this brings up something to me too. Like, I am not super familiar with that. 
So of course, like John, you've got this like a very deep personal emotional connection to this this form even. So you're definitely going to take something else out of this than I would. Mm-hmm. As me, I'm someone coming at this from someone who's watched a lot of Columbo episodes, enjoys Columbo, enjoys mystery shows. So to me, it seemed like uh, it was just kind of messing about a bit. So it's kind of... I, I'm curious, I wonder at what point when they were developing this thing to, to think like, okay, we're just going to go for this sort of thing, and if people get it, they don't. I, it just seems interesting to me that... You'd have to be more familiar with that format to the well, know what they were going for. Then, yeah, I mean they've done it in a lot of episodes where it's really conceptual and they try something different. I mean they've got two Ed McBain episodes that admittedly right. are terrible. Yeah, <laughs> but they will try it, and I think it's I think at the very least, even if it doesn't speak to you, you, you might consider that it's at least respectable that every now and again they would try. So who is who is that on then? Is that on the creators or is that on me for not being familiar with that type of story to know what they were going for? I think it is a failure on part of the writers to not be able to communicate what they were doing. But also, you know, maybe don't expect every one of them to be something you're intimate with. Oh, yeah. No, no, definitely. Because, I mean, yeah, yeah, no, I definitely get that. But it's... It, it, it's kind of an interesting larger question because it's not just in Columbo. A lot of other shows try this sort of mm-hmm. thing. And this you is kind also... of wonder, oh, is it my fault for not getting it or is it their fault for not being able to translate it and yeah. have just enough of those elements in but then still be able to retain enough of what makes the show what it's been for the, like, the last, at this point, like nearly 30 years I feel like years. yeah. I feel like in the '90s, at the late '80s, early '90s, romance novels were a phenomenon, mm-hmm. and I don't think it's unlikely that, especially the older audience that would be watching Columbo at this time, might have some familiarity with it. Oh right, no, yeah, definitely, yeah. Well, I'll, and I'll and I'll add, it's not just romance novels. I mean, this is 1990, so this would have been yeah. uh, like right towards the tail end of the era of Knots Landing mm-hmm. and oh, Fal- right. Falcon, Falcon Crest and Dynasty, and you know. All that. I think this would have played is all. I think most audiences at the time would have gotten it. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it would have. Just, but then uh, thinking back, um, you know, when I was a kid watching, I would, had no interest in shows like that at all. Yeah. So I think a lot of it comes down to me. I just, this type of storytelling just could, does not connect with me on any level. I think that's why I just didn't care for this much at all. So. I will. I, I got to throw you a couple things. Like it never really did feel like it got started. There oh, was a lot of, that's a good way to put it. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of faffing about. Yeah. Uh, there are some really dark edges to the episode, and I don't know that they paid off very well. Mm-hmm. And I think if they had landed those two things, that maybe it would have translated across, uh, you know, uh, agnosticism for the medium, mm-hmm. you know, or the agnosticism for the genre. But because they didn't do that. Right. It it spun its wheels and it kind of left a lot up to you when it should have been doing some more of the heavy lifting. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's a function of it not being, you know, the usual Columbo formula. I mean, they wait until really the last ten minutes to mm-hmm. reveal that he did this thing where he shot the body twice. Right. Um, and so not knowing that in advance means that that's yeah. what that, that's what they're building to. So they're not they're not building to Columbo finding the clue. They're building to us figuring it out, which is a whole different way of telling a story. Yeah. yeah. It's just, yeah. you know, again, I, 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 it's a more ordinary way of telling a story. That's not what I watch Palumbo for. Right. Yes. 
But then, I mean, at that point, though, it does get to a thing where you kind of feel like... I mean, Columbo is this sort of odd thing unto itself, where it always had that sort of different format. But at this point in 1990, is a thing where it almost... Columbo becomes this more established, dull thing where then you grow to expect it to always be this thing, as opposed to the different thing it always is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Kind well, of, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, the... the... That I'm trying to grapple with this idea of, of genre here, and I'm not sure romance novel is exactly the right description. It's a little more soap opera, like you know. Mm-hmm. I think it's just, like, I, I I really just have never been able to stand soap operas for the most part. Like like Mad Men, I couldn't get into Mad Men for like the first two three years because I would because it was watch like it. looking in a mirror. <laughs> okay, but because it always just felt like a soap opera, and at some point something changed in the show and it became a much more interesting program to watch about halfway through to the end. But like for the first three years or so, it always felt like, Oh, this is a soap opera. Like I have no, I just, I would just completely shut off, which I mean, that's a failing on my part that I wasn't able to just, you know, get into it. But yeah, I just, that, that sort of storytelling like that, I just can't get into somehow. Well, I've watched my share of soap operas, you know, um, back, back in the good old general hospital days. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, but, you know, it, it, it's doing that with all of the, you know, the, the creepy guy romancing all the women. Um, but it does, there's so many women and they all have their own little story, but because they're just crammed into this movie, right? we're not invested in any of them. And so there's actually no, you know, nobody to root for in this thing. Yeah. Cause then, I mean, cause like, uh, the, the, the first lady we see, the, uh, the CPA from, um, uh, it is from, yeah, it is enough. Yes. Yes. Joni, um, <laughs> like her, I would love to have seen more of her. Cause she seemed like a really interesting character. She knew the game. She knew what was up. She knew entirely what this jerk was about. Yeah. Like I would have loved to have seen more of her in this because she seemed like a really good, interesting character, but then she just sort of like, ah, eh, there, then gone. Uh, then they're just enough to let Columbo know this one piece of information and then gone again. Mm-hmm. It's like, I wish yeah. there was, yeah. I kind of want, I needed a little more backstory on her because she's wearing the engagement ring. When yeah. we first, is right? Oh, and yeah. then, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the, it's this whole scam he's got, right? And right. is it an engagement ring yeah. or is it a wedding ring? I think it's just a wedding ring, right? Yeah, And probably. so he's got this thing and, and that's when I really started to hate him is when he pulled that ring out oh. of his pocket Right. To give to Teresa out of desperation, his grandmother's ring or whatever, or right. he said that I guess to Colombo later, yeah. and and it was the same one he had just you know pulled off of that other woman's finger. That's you know that's he's horrible. It was he's still so warm. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have somebody I rooted for. I think the hero of this episode uh, was clearly the uh, mortician. Was clearly the oh that guy. Uh, Met the medical examiner. Yeah. Uh, Why did Columbia look at a jar of organs? <laughs> look how purple yeah. this liver is. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> that or Lieutenant yeah. Schultz, who like, resisted Columbia at first. Well, he was weird. because uh, So we talked about how everybody in this episode is really mercurial, uh, particularly Wayne, because he will be like, uh, you know, uh, damn it, Columbo, the tennis and everything. And then the very next second, oh, yeah, this is my room. Just and like then fainting. <laughs> and then yeah. fainting. Yeah. Um, but Schultz was kind of like that because Columbo shows up and Schultz is immediately deferential. He says something like, I don't know if they bothered to call you in on this. And he's 
he tells the the guys at the the uh, wag the meat wagon, yeah, he's going to want to see that. He's like being really, he, like he knows Columbo's reputation almost immediately, right? But then spontaneously, when Columbo is asking about the knee socks, like what are those? And Schultz is like, uh, they're knee socks, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh wow, he got so mean so quick. Yeah, no, he just went back and forth <laughs> on that, where he seemed like he kind of resented him. He seemed mm-hmm. like a very uh, Sergeant Kramer-ish, but then would just be like, "Oh, I'll help you out." However, yeah, it would, yeah, that was a strange mix. I thought it was a strange with mix. That guy. And, but do you think he was being? Sorry, please go on. No, no, you do. I have a different thought. So finish your thought first. Okay, <laughs> I was just wondering if he, if he was being like uh, groomed to be a new regular character, or if he was just another like kind of throwaway police officer. I you know I, I never can tell with Columbo when they bring in those people. Sometimes for an episode, you know, sometimes more than one, whether it's, yeah. whether it's, you know, whether they're thinking long term or if it's just this, this will be good to tell the story for this particular. I mean, I don't really never, I, I mean, I often wonder about that, but given that at this point in the series, they were doing so few of them, um, I, I can't imagine they were thinking in terms of, you know, uh, adding, adding people. Right. Yeah. I think so that's I, probably correct. So to, to shift gears a bit, we talked about the knee socks uh, briefly. And, uh, oh you know, no, here it comes. Here it comes. Panties, panties, panties. panties. <laughs> you, you know how I, I, some people hate the word moist? <laughs> no, I do. Oh, yes. I got to no. share with you. I hate, it's yeah. panties. I hate that word and I hate the word cookies. Wait, what? You what? hate the word cookies? I hate it. Cookies and panties both just. I don't think you can be a full grown man and say either of those words without sounding like a weird creep. Wait, cookies? <laughs> Cookies, like yeah. that baked hey, treat. Hey, RJ, hey, RJ, do you want some cookies? It sounds terrible. <laughs> it sounds like you're offering me a wonderful cooked treat with raisins or chocolate chips. That's what it sounds like. Honey, are like. you going to the store? Get me cookies. Yes, oh, yeah, that seems it. like, yeah, get a box of cookies. That no, sounds fine. It. That's a, no, wrong. panties You're wrong weird. about that, and you're wrong about this episode, RJ. <laughs> All okay. right. So, so anyway, so, so, so anyway. when it comes to the undergarments, let's say. Um, <laughs> sure. You know, to me, I, what I'm curious about is in terms of, you know, the great the great big clues, the clues that sort of solve the mystery for Columbo. And it feels like to me that the one that gave us away to him is not all that original. I feel like we've had a similar thing in a previous episode where how somebody put on their shoes. I, th- mm-hmm. I think it's the, I think it's the one with Robert with uh, the, the health and the health guy. Uh, um, oh, yes. Yeah, yes. Robert yeah, Conrad, yeah. 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 Robert Conrad. There you go. So yeah, the way they put the shoes on that matter. one. Yeah. Yeah, so or, or how a shirt is buttoned. So you know, I, I'm not sure about the tag thing to begin with, but I'm also kind of curious about a lot of those sort of details. Seem very, um, you know, the connection doesn't. I, I didn't follow like like him saying that. Oh, she had to be wearing slacks because she was wearing the knee socks, and she only wears the knee socks when she wears the slacks. And that just that those, that particular you know that chain of logic just eluded me completely. I I got lost when he was giving us the complete history of maiden form. <laughs> right. It's like if Wikipedia had been around in 1990s, I think Gillis would have been on it, going, "What's the uh, find me some special underwear?" And then, yeah, yeah, I didn't. I that completely lost me, but I just took it at, at his word that you know he but, had it on the wrong side. But we know that supposedly uh, uh, Mrs. Columbo wears that brand of underwear, <laughs> and that she uh, read all of this uh, this lady's uh, novels. So there that's you how go. She got the idea for the underwear. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but, she, me, but she's. Yeah, go ahead. Not, yeah, go no, ahead, no, no, please, you, you. <laughs> <laughs> Alphonse. I I want to to draw attention to another 
unusual scene. And that's the scene where Columbo deliberately gets all everybody in the same room so that he can do some kind of weird, you know, I thought, are we in, is it Hercule Poirot all of a sudden? You oh, know? you know what? I didn't even think of it like that way. It is kind of like a drawing room mystery in a clothes store a little yes. bit. And it's like, he says, no, I want them all here together. And he engineers them all getting in the same room. And that's where... Oh, that's that one. Oh, sorry, the, the earlier one. Sorry, I was thinking the, the, earlier thinking the very one. end. Okay, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. where Wayne, right. Wayne suddenly, you know, girlishly loses it. faints yeah. the floor. Or how's he put it? Yeah, I never saw a guy on... Sp- oh, I never saw a guy unwind that fast. Yeah. Was the line that he had. Yeah, yeah. So it's, suspicious of it, yeah. Right. But it's an unusual stratagem. Columbo. Right, yeah, because well, and it's the same kind of, because he did that in uh, Lesser to the Commodore, too, where they had the drawing room mm-hmm. scene at the very end, mm-hmm. yeah. There's a there's another... Um, is... <laughs> there's another uh, Last Salute to the Commodore connection, which is Columbo's uh, sudden... Uh, what do you call that when you repeat words that you hear? Logo something? Logo uh, rhythm? Or echolalia? Echolalia, that's it. Thank. Wow, it's completely off. Yeah, echolalia. But um, you remember he was going around saying Mizzen Boom for the entirety of Last Salute. Right. And he does, he kind of does wander around going, knee socks, panties, <laughs> knee socks. So he was kind of doing it in this one too. Gillis has some, has some ideas for how Columbo works. Um, and sometimes it doesn't work because in Last Salute there was that little problem of Columbo, I guess when he was supposed to be running things over in his mind, in his, in his mind, he just kind of seemed like a bumbling dolt. Mm-hmm. And that kind of happens here, too. During that first five minutes that we see Columbo, he, I mean, it starts with him driving like an idiot and actually, like, organizing stuff on his passenger seat yeah. while driving on a highway. Right, yeah, and people uh, have to honk. Yeah, yeah. Which uh, I got. want to talk about that a little bit, too, later. But um, he comes off like kind of an idiot for a while and not that, like, we know what he's up to kind of idiot. He really just, like, is he, did he just wake up kind of idiocy? I mean that that's often something that comes up in other people's episodes, other episodes written mm-hmm. by other people too, where he just he's coming first thing in the morning, and he didn't really expect to. Come. I mean, he explains at the beginning uh, he's only there because the captain called him in because the captain was a friend of uh, the decedent, right? And so that's the only reason he's there. He doesn't think he's going to find anything. Doesn't think he needs to be there at first. He brought an egg. So he's just yeah. He brought a hard boiled egg which he cracks in the car like he's done many other times. Yeah, and then I, puts, you know, like, puts the yeah. shells in that uh, uh, poor uh, photographer's hand. Well, is an ashtray the normal place people put no. eggshells? I wouldn't think so, but Columbo he keeps would. asking yeah. for an ashtray. He did that in. Uh, oh, I'm going to forget the episode. The one that takes place in a museum. Oh. oh. I would like to point out that the first yeah, with, with he does this, yeah. Yeah. he is outside. And you know what an eggshell is? Biodegradable. Right, yeah. <laughs> he still doesn't Col- want a letter. Columbo is nothing if not polite. Mm. In fact, you know, my, my mom used to, like, save her eggshells, put them in water, because supposedly it was good for her plants to pour water on yeah. them that had, had eggshells in them. So I wanted him to just throw them in the flower bed. Eggshells and coffee grounds. Put them together. I, uh, Here's a, here is a major deep cut. I think he was saving them for Miss Othmar so they could make igloos. Oh, there you go. Dear. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, or, or he saw the outside of the house, the shooting the exteriors, and he didn't realize that the interiors were going to be just crap 90, 80s, 90s design and didn't match the outside of that beautiful house at all. 
That's oh, what he no. thought. Like, oh, I don't want to mess this up. It's going to be this lovely Tudor design inside. It's going to be like, like oh, no, it's a bunch of like... Uh, yeah, a bunch of uh, junk. The color scheme in that yeah. house and the floral upholstery mm. everywhere. That Ex- was Buddhist. so horrible. Yeah, except for so Wayne's, except for Wayne's uh, teenager uh, bedroom. Yeah. Yes, with much. the surfboards and the, the guns. Yeah. <laughs> NRA teenager. Uh, NRA yeah. surfing teens. Speaking can of, I, uh, can I point, I can point we, out real quick? Sure. Go ahead. Sure. Yeah. So, so, so Wayne again, uh, and Wayne's little room where he has the has the he has the weaponry and everything else. That's one of my other favorite Wayne moments is where uh, where Columbo just sort of casually asks him, "Oh, so you you live here with uh with you know what's her name?" And he again he gets really kind of you know, affronted and says, "Uh, you know, does that shock you?" but that's such a good soap opera thing to say i guess so but he acts like but it's like a teenager would say that or something like that that's what i imagine amanda palmer would say yes i think amanda palmer probably says does that shock you after every third sentence (laughs) what was that 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 old onion thing about um uh marilyn manson just going house to house house trying to to frighten people people yeah years back yeah well Wayne reminded me of somebody, and I couldn't think of which which MST3K uh, episode it was, but I looked it up this morning, and mm-hmm. do you recall uh, the episode where um, the guy, like, did time travel in his plane? Oh, God, yes. I just saw that again. Time, yes. time chasers. Yeah, 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 I that was, dude. Yeah. It was... Wayne reminds me of the <laughs> awful mulleted hero. The guy with the glasses, with yeah. The, with the pleated pants yeah. <laughs> and the athletic trainers. And I just really, yeah. I mean, just the way Wayne bounced on the balls of his feet just annoyed the crap out of me. <laughs> Yeah, but but you but you did love it when he like jumped onto the uh, uh, the cherry picker. I did, I did love that. While Columbo had Columbo had to carefully step on, but Wayne just like hopped over the bar, getting on and getting off. He loves cherry pickers. That was the thing. Columbo does not love cherry pickers, does not love heights. So it was weird to me that they just kind of treated that very casually. He was fine just going up there when many many times in the past he's been. Well, I mean, I mean, not too long before this one, uh, the um, Fisher Stevens one, they take him up in the, uh, mm-hmm. the Chapman Nike crane, and he's just freaking out at about the same height. He's like, "Oh, I'm so high up here! Oh gosh!" Yeah. And this one, he's like, "Yeah, he's in it, and he's fine." That seems a little. He, well, you know, he is. We do know about Columbo is that he will fake uh, personality traits in order right, to. But that uh, one seems pretty consistent, and not necessarily it one is. to. But, you know, he was wiping his, somebody. He was wiping his forehead when they got down. He was looking queasy. Well, he he was frightened at the uh, the bad stock footage of crows coming after him. That's <laughs> what that was. He kept checking his hair. Like, I, are, are they implying the crows shat on him? Yeah. They, oh, they, they're going to take the brown coloring out. Yes. No, they they One wanted to uh, give him a hat, and he didn't take the hat, and that's that's why they wear the uh, hat. Yeah, it was really the hat. The, the crows had some sort of anti-Grecian formula spray <laughs> that they were oh going to put on Peter Falk, and he was frightened. <laughs> Now RJ's getting mean. Yeah. I'm getting realistic. <laughs> but we, yeah, we were talking you know, about the, the... The the cranes, the, the whole um, uh, crow thing. When when Columbo explains at the end that he's not actually, you know, it's not traffic, it's the crows. Right. I, yeah. That, no. 
I, I mean, I mean, I need to rewind to listen to the background of that phone call, I guess, but no way that was. <laughs> you should. Insane. You need to rewind and listen to the phone call again. That is that is mandatory. Uh, Be, because they make a big deal out of it being Brenda Vaccaro uh, yeah. imitating uh, her sister's voice, it is not. <laughs> no, if you it's, it's Brenda Vaccaro and... like it was the same hotel lobby and No Time exactly. to Die. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> it is so clearly not Brenda Vaccaro the first time. And she's, she, you know, bless her heart, she does a terrible job at imitating uh, on, on the second call because – like five words in, the smoker's voice comes in. Right, and the thing is, it, it's odd too because Brenda Vaccaro has made like the last few years, like her career mostly is doing voice work. Like mm-hmm. a lot of her career is voice work, and you think they would kind of get that in there somehow? I don't know. It's yeah, yeah. I don't know. Well, that was one of my one of the moments when I realized, oh no, this episode is not going to be for me. Is when they <laughs> did that call the first time, and they did the you know the silhouette. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, you know what it reminded me of, Noel? It reminded me of modern romance. It reminded me of the, the little mysterioso, you know, they yeah, had a yeah. silhouette, you know, they're going to tip it. Uh, <laughs> uh, and it was, you know, I was like, oh man, that's cheesy. Did not yeah, like. See, see, it didn't bother me because again, my memory of it was that ultimately it was going to be Brenda Vaccaro who was the killer and that there was not going to be, there was no, there was not going to be any even attempt to pretend that that was never Rinder Vaccaro. Which that would have been really interesting. Yeah, I agree. That I, would have I, saved it for me. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, I, you know, again, I was kind of waiting for, uh, that, that to be the case. And instead it ended up being Wayne the whole time and Rinder Vaccaro being kind of a sucker. As, um, as it is, I, though, with that, I really liked uh, Vaccaro's breakdown at the end mm-hmm. when she realizes from looking I did. at the photo a second time, I thought that I thought she played that very well. I thought that scene played very well. It's just that the reason for the scene, like, eh, really, yeah, yeah. Again, again I, I just, I mean, again, I'm, I'm not a woman, you know. I can't speak to this. I, I, I asked Donna; she refused to answer me. Let me write that down. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, I, I can't imagine that any any woman would look at that picture and immediately go, "At labels on the wrong side," you know. <laughs> I don't know. I can't, I can't recall ever having labels. Yes. But I mean, yeah. to his, to his, to Columbo's credit, there, it's definitely like from my experience, it's something a man would not notice because I have literally gone to work twice this week uh, with my shirt on backwards, and it's Tuesday. Dress shirt or t-shirt underneath the dress shirt? Uh, t- uh, t-shirt on Monday, and my dress shirt. It was not on, not on backwards, but <laughs> I the, had, the buttons were up the back. I, I had, <laughs> I had done the buttons wrong. I thought I'd been painting. I thought I was going to be painting that day. <laughs> I had. I had done the buttons wrong, and I had actually – it was embarrassing because I had done the buttons wrong last week, and I'd gotten real sassy about it to the guy who, who told me. Wait, you got mad at him for pointing out your buttons were wrong? Okay, here's how that works. All right, I, I'll tell you, get around, kids. We're it's, here. It's, it's not necessarily going to be it's another Jim Pansy story, but it's John Morris's <laughs> anecdotes. Um, oh, <laughs> play me a little anecdote music. The, uh, so I just, you know, last week I went in with the, or two weeks ago I went with the buttons on my shirt wrong and I went to the bathroom and I was fixing them and I, one of my coworkers came in and he said, you know, what you got to do is you, you start from the bottom. And I was like, this isn't a chronic problem. I just, <laughs> oh, it was shit. dark this morning. That's the only reason my buttons are screwy. Well, and then I, I, so I dark. up again today. Sorry. It is when you get up at four. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, so yeah, apparently I, I, it is a chronic problem and I might need to seek help. <laughs> oh, I have a question about, uh, about the interior of that house, which, um, and I know it's, it was a setup, you know, set by the prop department, but it, it, 
fits my general belief that rich people have the worst taste in interior design. Right. But so the ashtray, the Jade Buddha, these are all stolen. And I, I must have missed this. Did they ever resolve why the Jade Buddha and the ashtray were gone? Was there ever an ashtray? I figured there wasn't even ever one. That's what I kind of figured. Okay. He was faking but that. But they, they, they did not ever bring it up again to my I memory. think we can assume that it was just not resolved. Just a lie. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if it was a lie or if it was something he had long ago stolen and sold or something. I think that's given credit. Yeah, yeah, that could be. I mean, he does do the exaggerated, very fake. Aha! Well, it must have been a thief because yeah, he was yeah. <laughs> right. Well, because Here's he's how I think it happened. <laughs> yeah. So Columbo has a younger brother. He's called Baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. Uh, it's cute, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought that was a fun little detail. Myself. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, I've got. Uh, here's a nice thing I liked about Vaccaro's performance, which, by the way, I do wish there were slightly better actors performing across from her because she did seem kind of lost sometimes. Yeah, uh, a little for broad anybody for, yeah. has to act next to Andrew Stevens is. <laughs> I felt so sorry for them. Well, even even like uh, that uh, um, Mavis, the uh, her secretary at the yes, yeah, that the the. the Literary agency was kind of like, yeah, she's all right, but not, not acting like Brenda Vaccaro was acting. Yeah, but uh, yeah, if she if she doesn't get an Oscar for um, Midnight Cowboy, she should get one for having to act across from that guy. Anyway, that was a good joke. I liked it. Yeah, anyway, no, I, I, I've, yeah, I've never I seen like her introduction Cowboy. a great deal, which is we just heard her as an angry voice behind a door. Yes, that was fun. It's always good to get get in, get in like that. And I, I have to admit, because there were three, three of her employees were watching TV, yeah. and it, it did look like this was going to quickly become a Charlie's Angels episode, because <laughs> there's just there's just like a speaker on the desk and three women watching, you know, standing around it. I'm like, you oh, don't please. ever hear that, yeah, yeah. I just want this to be Charlie's Angels versus Columbo. I want to see a mashup. <laughs> but see, here's, here's another another aspect that kind of goes awry with Columbo when you change the formula, which is that you know by the time that she was introduced. There was a whole lot of backstory that we had not yet gotten involving, you know, the contract involving, I mean, you know, the, the relationships. I mean, there's a lot of material that had to be kind of revealed later on. And typically with Columbo, you know, we spend the first 15, 20 minutes finding out who these people are and what their situation is. And then we see the crime and then we go on from there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, so by, and so by not having any of that information, you talk about not having anybody that you can invest any kind of feeling in. That was kind of the case here. It was sort of, I, you know, we didn't really know what was driving all these people to hate each other, kill each other, do any of that kind of stuff. Well, I mean, and also, like, uh, there was that whole dropped uh, thread with the woman that he was sleeping with who was married to some sort of producer who wanted the book yes. rights to her yeah. novels. And right. that just kind of goes away. And she is one of three redheaded women who look very similar in the episode, too, <laughs> which leads to a little bit of confusion also. So it just, yeah, that, that was a weird, a lot of things just kind of like get dropped by the wayside that maybe could have been explored more, or maybe they didn't need to make it as confusing and like a gauzy as they did, maybe, I I'll, don't know. I'll tell you what, though, it's all worth it for the moment when Wayne pops the trunk on his <laughs> Jaguar. Oh, yeah. 
full of flowers. What? I bought every flower in the place. (laughs) He had to go and do that just to establish some weird (laughs) alibi. He had to go to a shop. Like at the eight o'clock in the morning. Oh, I, I just need all the flowers you got. I don't care. I, I know that they would have shifted when he drove, but it still just looked like he had a, a backhoe come to the car and just drop them in. So many flowers that he couldn't fit his twenty tennis rackets in the trunk like he usually does. <laughs> I don't think the trunk would hold those tennis rackets. I no, mean, he gets them in there. He gets them in there. Don't you worry. That's all what he spends his whole day doing: <laughs> rearranging his tennis track, tennis racket in the trunk. That's all also, he does. That's his job. You know that these people are really elite because he has a little remote control that opens his trunk. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is nice. Oh, and it, but also, and like, and an old, and an old uh, Jaguar too. It's had to be installed. Yeah, it's a red Jaguar. License yeah. plate WEJ one two two one. Oh. Whoa. All right. He's five foot eleven. He has oh. light brown hair, and he's about one hundred and eighty-five pounds. Do you think that's, that's he's, a? He's not five foot eleven. He, let's find out because sometimes on IMDb they will tell you how tall the he, dude is. He's he he's is five so short. Oh my god. He's five foot ten. No way. So According to IMDb. So do you he's, think uh, that's a vanity and he was plate? Because it's WJ. His name is Wayne Jennings. Oh, maybe. So no he, he, he seems loved, a type. He loves palindromes, numerical palindromes. That's mm-hmm. one, two, two, one. Yeah, so maybe that is, maybe he ordered that special. I did Wikipedia uh, Andrew Stevens just, you know, because he's so awful. Oh, he's a producer, like and, a, produced a yes. whole bunch of films, yeah. But he was also, uh, he was Mr. Kate Jackson for like three years. Oh! My oh. God. oh. Huh. His, uh, the tip of his nose moves when he talks. Did anyone uh, else notice this? No, I did not. No. It is, he, they have one close-up profile of him near the end of the episode, and every time he talks, the tip of his nose moves up and down. And oh. I've never seen a human being do that. Not even Dabney Coleman. And he's got like, that's his signature is that kind of nose. Oh, weird. It was really baffling. Oh. <laughs> I got nothing else. I just noticed it and it was weird. <laughs> All right. Hey, John. Yeah, are we wrapping I, this up? Well, I'm looking at uh, oh. Andrew Stevens' IMDb. He directed yeah. three episodes of Swamp Thing. Oh, bless your heart. Which ones? <laughs> <laughs> the Handyman. Oh. Okay. Hide in the Night. And yeah. The Return of LaRoche. You know what? I think those are all in third season, so I haven't gotten to them yet. Oh, you'll get oh, to no, them. Oh, no, wait. He, he actually he directed, was, he was, he directed them. He was in an episode, too. Oh, there you go, John. He was in... Oh, okay. I know exactly who he is. Christ. Oh, oh amazing. Oh, Bartok and the Old House of Mayan. Uh, can we take an aside? I'll tell you about oh, uh, I, this episode. No, we can't. Yeah, uh, it's called can. This Old House of Mayan. They find a Mayan ruin in the Louisiana swamps. Of Figure it out they yourself. Do. Sure. There Why are not? two. He is one of two enormous, like heavily muscled, um, uh, evil archaeologists who kidnap <laughs> the lean, hairless, clean limbed boy who lives uh, in the. Uh, who's one of the main characters of the show. And it is wildly homoerotic. It looks like any second it is about to break down to one of the sexiest videos I've ever seen. Okay. And it stars wrestlers um, Giant Gonzalez and Kevin Nash as Mayans. Sure. Glad glad to be of help. Kevin Nash, any of you folks uh, watch um, Detroiters? uh, Yes, yes. Oh my gosh, Kevin Nash on that thing as uh, uh, Tim's father. Oh yeah. Wonderful, wonderful performance. Hilarious and lovely. Oh, yeah. he does such a great job. 
he's on one episode. He's uh, Tim Robinson on the show. He plays his father, who's a former Detroit ad exec, uh, who has been uh, confined to a hospital for those who have lost their faculties. And, uh, yeah, he shows up again, and he's like this genius old school ad man, and he does a great job of it. It's a wonderful yeah, it's one great. of the, I, well, that might have been my favorite episode of the season. It was it was very very nice. Yeah, yeah. he's yeah, a, he's really like charming. Birthday funny. Party. The birthday party is the best. Oh, the birthday party one that was wonderful. You know what? <laughs> I can't think of a bad folks listening to this this thing. Uh, go back and watch this last season of Detroiters. It's been picked up for yeah. another season on uh, Comedy Central. Yeah. It's a wonderful show. It's strange. It's fun, but it's a nice show, and uh, it's yeah, it's a wonderful uh, it's a wonderful thing. The thing about Michigan, Kevin Nash, nice to see it. Sorry. Kevin Nash is like really charming and really funny, and he's really laid back, and he is so dull in the ring; it is ridiculous. <laughs> oh well, the the, the charming and uh, funny thing definitely comes through on that episode of that show. Yeah. So if he he's good. He was it. great on the mic, but oh boy, you used to call him Big Lazy. Ah, that's fine. He yeah. found a better calling doing like a little guest yeah, shots as Mayans and crazy dads. So there you go. Yeah. Anyway, oh, anyway, anyway. Colombo, not Detroiters. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe we should uh, come to some sort. John, you said you had 12 things that you liked about this thing. How many did we cover? I think we actually covered all of them. Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, there's a, there were a couple other things. I thought, the you know, and, and Donna mentioned earlier that the camera shot through the house was really good. Uh-huh. Uh, I really loved the cable company parking lot. There's a, it's a great Oh, that, that actually shot. was nice. Yeah, yeah, that actually was well there done. Were, so that's, there were schools of cable everywhere. As you yeah. would expect. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I thought Columbo in his car was really entertaining. And there's something about it that because you so briefly see the highway, you might not pick up on it. Uh, but I have a screen cap and every other car on that highway is a piece of junk. <laughs> and it is the first time that it really felt like California to me. Oh. Because I, I'm from <clears throat> Northern California originally and I go back every couple of years um, primarily to San Jose and Santa Cruz. And Santa Cruz in particular is not a town where I see a lot of nice cars. I see a lot of beat-up pickups. I see a lot of old foreign models that are wrecked. Uh, I see a lot of like cars from the 70s and 80s. So this looked really familiar to me, and it's more the California that I know, which I just thought was nice. And then Columbo just being a fucking maniac on the road is terrific. Right. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We talked about uh, Father, which I really liked. Uh, oh, and then there's another thing that happened with the car that I kind of miss, which is, I think it was a later shot. It was actually the, um, the the Jaguar. But there's all these little tricks that car headlights used to play on camera lenses that you don't see anymore. And I really miss those. Do you know what I mean? Like, you get those, the, the lights would kind of crawl up the movie screen. I, I have to ask oh, a question. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. This this was one of the twelve things that made you think this is one of the best episodes <laughs> of the nineties. Was the way headlights <clears throat> go up a TV screen? Nostalgic. You know, you know. You know actually, it wasn't. But if you're going to be a dick about it, yeah, <laughs> I RJ. am. I am. As a matter of fact, I RJ, really am. Yeah, I rewound it. I love it. I wish more Columbo's had. That's what's been missing. And you know who does that right? Murder she that? wrote. Oh yeah, there you go. <clears throat> <laughs> I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you the last word on why this is not good, and, <laughs> and that's because the whole pleasure of watching Columbo for me is that somebody knows something or thinks they know something. And in this in this episode, I I wrote down nobody really knows anything, and that really bugged me. You know, 
Nobody, nobody was trying to mislead anybody in any kind of way that was arrogant or interesting. Columbo just didn't really seem to like have a handle on what was going on either, either pretending he didn't. Or it just, nobody knew anything. I didn't like that. Do you know who knew something? The guy at the morgue. Yeah, <laughs> that guy was on the ball. Yeah, I kind of wish I that it, it, out of recurring characters, I wouldn't have minded seeing that guy show up more in these episodes. Mm-hmm. I kind of liked him. I liked his whole weird thing. He was offended when Columbo did not want to see the organ in the jar. He's like, "No, I'm fine." <laughs> like I didn't mind that guy. I kind of liked him. It was kind of yeah. I like that nifty character. Nifty creep. I think it, I think it was a joke on the set designers, because they actually didn't, like, ever go into the morgue. Yeah, so, I know, yeah. I think it fine. was a joke, like, we're going to go in now. Oh, no, we're not. We didn't build that set. Right, you know. yeah. He comes out, like, kind of yeah, like, oh, I'm fine, never mind. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's a good bit. I like when they do a little light comedy. Yeah, you know? me too, yeah. And th- the thing is, there was a lot of, I thought there was actually some good Columbo stuff in here overall. Uh, I would agree. I, I would yeah. agree. I, mean, I, 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 you know, I, I would say, ultimately, I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of the formula shakeups with some rare exceptions. So that's my main beef with the episode. And I didn't realize it was going to be that one, one like that when I, when I picked it, that said a lot of what I tuned into Columbo for, which is kind of, like I said, the tours of Los Angeles, um, the kind of unusual little details that, that, that are involved with the case. Um, I mean, I wish that the whole story had come together better, but I did like that there was so much of it, that there was the cable company and there was the, the, the bird, the quote unquote bird watcher that was really a private detective. There was all this other sort of, you know, all the different women that he was with. I mean, you know, um, it wasn't integrated very well, but there was a lot. And I yeah, did like that there was a lot. Yeah, Columbo was doing a lot of detective work in this one. He was doing a lot of tracking stuff down. Um, he wasn't like in these 90s episodes, something like, oh, look, it's crazy old Uncle Columbo. No, it was just Columbo. He was mm-hmm. doing it. He was actually doing the work. Uh, he was energetic. He was spry. He, he was going on about his business. I, I did like a lot of that. So I think a fault you know, was good in this. I actually, I got to amend something I said earlier that, that uh, Vicaro didn't really have anyone to play off of. She did have Falk in what I think was probably oh, the best scene of the episode. The watching the, watching the uh, when he's like re-watching yeah. the uh, talk show in her office. Yes, that actually, they that do, was a nice scene. Yes. Yeah, they are terrific together. And I guess maybe that's a crime that they weren't together more and I Probably. think they actually, uh, they had done a film just before this. Yeah, Bunny. Yeah, a Cookie. No, the movie Cookie. Oh, Cookie, she played, right, Cookie. She played, a character <laughs> named, she played a character named Bunny in Cookie, that one where he's the uh, gangster. Uh, Nora Ephron wrote it uh, with Emily Lloyd. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've not seen that I film. It. I've not seen that film in forever. I should, I should look I that am, one up uh, again. So. Jerry Lewis is in there. Lionel Stander. Uh, Michael Gazzo uh, is in there, too. Oh, wow. I'd like to. Diane like Weiss. Holy cow. And I, I, and I assumed that after Cookie, they were in a film together called Panty. Yeah. Sure, yes. Yeah. Uh, I'd also like to point out, I can't remember which one, but one of the three writers of Caution, Murder May Be Hazardous to Your Health, was Falk's assistant on Cookie. Oh, what? Oh. Let's tie that back together. Uh, let's never tie that thing into anything. <laughs> Wait. The ghost of Blaird will show up somehow. Yeah, if we say ah! it three more times. Yeah, don't say it. Everyone be careful. All right, let's wrap things up. <laughs> by going around the horn, getting final thoughts and impressions. Let's start. Uh, Donna, your final thoughts and impressions on this episode. My final thought is the enduring mystery of 1990. Why were so many men interested in looking short and hourglass-shaped? Oh, interesting, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Because, yeah, that's it seems it. like that was a weird fashion of the time somehow, and I don't get it. Yeah, you're right. The cinched-in waist, the blousy top and bottom, it's, no. Well, and you get those also, like, they're coming back, those uh, jogger jeans, where you get, like, the weird, like, uh, uh, the crinkled cuffs, the bottom of pants. That was big back then. It's starting to come back now, and I don't get it. It makes no sense. Yeah, everything's just kind of like uh, wearing LA gear pants or something like that. Yep. I was like, yeah, I don't get it. Ugh. Kids, stop it. <laughs> Straight talk to teens. Uh, my, my final thought is that the, the killing the victim twice idea would have been really great, I think, in a very in a more conventional uh, Columbo plot. Yes, I, I agree 100%. Yeah, because it didn't, it, it didn't have nearly as much weight as I feel like it should have. Like, I just kind of, when they reveal that, kind of like, oh, okay. As opposed to like, oh! Yeah, I didn't have the, oh, I had the, eh, alright. You got ten more minutes left, alright, great. <laughs> That's how I felt about that revelation. Um, Spe- wait, speaking of that revelation, I had a question. Sure. They, they said several times there's no law against shooting a dead body. There, there must there, be a There law. has to be something about that. Just <laughs> shooting <laughs> off guns? Plus attempted murder, but there must be a law against shooting dead bodies. People would do it all the time. Yeah, that's a thing where it's there's got to be. I felt weird about that too. It's like, oh, he's completely hundred percent off the hook, even though he fully, supposedly, under as far as they knew, intended to go into that house and shoot that woman. Yeah, and murder her. It's like, oh no, actually, she was already dead supposedly, so you're fine. And everyone's fine. Her sister's fine. The police are fine. The secretary's fine. The maid of the sister is fine. He was still wanting to kill someone in cold blood for crying out loud. Seems like they would give him a bit of distance. (laughs) I don't know. Especially the sister. That was, yeah, I don't, yeah. Well, you know how I feel. John? Yes, sir. I give it ten! Out, Out of, of fifteen. Oh, uh, no! I'll what? give it. I'll give it. I'm going to give it seven amazing twists and/or stolen jade Buddhas. Out of <laughs> ten. All right. Um, I, you know, I can see why this one is not going to be popular. I can. It's definitely not one I would turn people onto first thing. No. Um, and there are a lot of problems with the acting. Um, but I just think as a case study, it is really interesting. I was surprised at every turn. If somebody listens to this podcast and decides to, uh, poof, there goes the surprise. But if they, you know, so this rating is really useless. They've but had 27 if, years, so they're fine. Fair point, well made. Actually, Jason, you know what? This this thing aired, yeah, we're recording this on May 9th, 2017. It, it's pretty close to the 27th anniversary. So yeah. if you want to order your cakes now, <laughs> please do. Thank pieces. So many thank pieces. <laughs> or order your order your murder in Malibu anniversary cakes from your local baker. It's Contact shaped like pastor. knee socks. Yeah. Yes, or panties. Um, no, but I, I think it's it's a really interesting departure, and it's better than a lot of the other departures. If if I were to rank it just in the departure episodes, it might be number two or three. Oh, okay. Because it's wow. going to be obviously it's going to be underground and uh, or undercover. I mean, and uh, no time to die. Right. It's it's not as enjoyable as the last salute. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's definitely better than uh, rest in peace, Mrs. Columbo. Oh God! You know? to, out of out of those four, that's about eighteen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I uh, I do need to hack to. I'll put a, I'll put a list together of the unconventional ones, but I really think this one is an interesting case study. It might not bear up to rewatching. I only watched it once. I'm sad to say, um, but 
yeah, I think I'll give it a seven and feel pretty confident about that. All right. Well, there we go. A split decision. <laughs> <laughs> Team but that's a thing. opinion. But that's the thing about this show. It doesn't always. Uh, we don't always all agree, the guests and the hosts and everything like that. And sometimes even uh, the listeners, there'll be ones that they hate that we end up liking, ones that they love that we end up disliking quite a bit. Columbus College. And uh, you never know. You never know how it's going to uh, turn out. Yeah, suitable for framing was awful. I thought that that, that episode was saint. Well, it's okay. It's a fun episode, but yeah. Oh, the robot one. You hated the robot one, too, there. I really... Well, no, I just hated the robot. Oh, I thought the robot was fun in that. It's uh, probably the robot. I know. I hate when he shows up. Oh, <laughs> boy. He could he could knock me out of an episode of Beverly Hillbillies. That's how jarring I find Robbie the Robot. Oh, but just, well, that they would only improve an episode of Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> I think oh, he's on an episode of trash. Beverly Hillbillies. Well, he ought to like, be. A show that you should not watch seriously, even drunk or high. Yes. And oh. yet, if Robbie showed up, I would just be like, that's it. Too unrealistic. I'd turn it off. Really? I just don't like Robbie. I, I'd be flipping around. It's like, oh, Beverly Hillbillies. And Robbie Lowerbach comes clinking on the thing like, all right, Jethro, what are you going to say to him? And I, I, like the, I, like I, I, I hang space around space. for at least five minutes of that. I like before. the Lost in Space robot a lot. Oh, no, he was fine. Th- that yeah. show is garbage, but the robot's fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, I like, you like, oh. I'm not a big fan, but, you oh, know. Oh, sure, it, sure. But, you know, sure. I've, I've been awake at three o'clock and unemployed. Oh, yeah, of course. So I'll watch a little yes. Lost in Space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's on there, why not? Yeah, sure. Anyway, this has been uh, <laughs> Robots uh, What Are On TV Shows with RJ and John. Anyway. Tune All in right. next week for more Swamp Thing summaries. <laughs> yes, right. Yes. <sighs> All right. Well, thank you, folks, for being on the program again. Uh, please, uh, plug away. Uh, where should people uh, be looking to where you're doing? What have you worked on lately? Uh, to tell us. Well, um, I'll, I'll go first, Noel, because I have less to plug. Okay. Uh, I, I'm, I'm currently recapping Better Call Saul on the AV Club. So. Oh, um, cool. I have not seen any of the new episode, the season yet. So yeah, I, I gotta, I gotta, I feel like I gotta wait, and I'll catch up on it once it's done or something. Because I feel like I'll get drowned or something in it. I don't uh, know. It's pretty good. Plus, I'm nervous. Yep. I'm nervous about it. Yeah, that's good though. Yeah. And I, I'm currently uh, recapping Fargo for Rolling Stone and oh. uh, and uh, The Leftovers and Twin Peaks for The New York Times. Oh, wait, wait. Twi- oh, what? Are you going to be doing the you're gonna be doing the new season, too? I'm, I'm going to be doing the new season, too. And I'm, oh, and, gosh. And I'm in the middle of doing a rewatch. Uh, actually, I finished the rewatch, but they're still they're still writing the pieces. Oh, so. my goodness. Wow. Yeah, I'm I'm that's the one I'm nervous about. I'm excited and nervous about. I uh, I've been doing recaps of Swamp Thing, the late in, late nineties uh, USA Network late night TV show. If you'd like to see that, it's uh, on my blog because no one would possibly pay me for that. <laughs> the, the Jonathan York Times, I guess. Huh. I don't know. Yeah, you should I'm, you should get that URL. Yeah, I'll, I'm going to hop right on. People, GoDaddy.com. <laughs> yeah, enter. Go. Yeah, yeah. Click past the uh, Danica Patrick ad. From the Super Bowl from uh, 2008. And there you go. It's, uh... What? I don't know. Some timely humor. Yeah, she's too smart, isn't she? I think so, yeah. Anyhow... Anywho. I'm not recapping anything. So... Uh, <laughs> you could if you want. Oh, wait. Well, I guess I'm recapping this. I'm yeah. recapping Columbo episodes every so often. Or are you? Oh, no. That was the joke at the yes. beginning, you see. So I looped it oh, around. right. Yes. Yeah. Oh, God. 
Ten. Well, it's, it's been an hour of talking about this thing, so I just completely wiped my brain. <laughs> All right. Well, if you want to listen to other episodes of Just One More Thing, you can go to jmtpodcast.com or look us up on your favorite podcast app. And if you have enjoyed it, uh, please uh, think about leaving a review or two. That might uh, bump us up in the uh, listings. If people happen to be looking for Columbo podcasts, it might show up higher than the other five or so that are out there. I presume. Or the Frasier podcasts. I don't know if they're even still doing that these days. Uh, if you want to uh, keep up on uh, other people talking about Columbo, um, uh, follow us on Twitter at JMT Podcast. We like to retweet things, respond to folks, uh, see what else you found out there on the internet regarding Columbo. Same deal with Tumblr. Um, uh, John's been posting some great archival things like old Mad Magazine parodies. Uh, just other things he's found in other types of media involving Columbo, plus screen grabs, further thoughts. Uh, I think we, we got a whole bunch of stuff from the um, last one, Death Hits Jackpot, that was kind of fun. Uh, nice little weird uh, photos and stills from that. Gary um, Kroger was actually retweeting it. I know, Gary Kroger retweeted our Whoa. thing about the last episode. I, I, I was so I, happy about that. I was so happy about that. that I really actually, want, I, I want him on. I want to have him on for a half hour. It would be neat if he could come on. Just talk about the experience of doing one of these things. It would be nice, but I understand if he doesn't, <laughs> so whatever. So, Mr. Kroger, if you're listening. Yeah, I'm sure he is. I'm sure he's a dedicated fan now. Oh, sure, now, yeah, of course. He's going to go back through the entire thing. Uh, unless he gets some of the Blair ones, and he's like, oh, this sucks. Yeah. Thanks, you gray-haired jerk. Anyway. <laughs> Blair, never mind. Not Gary Kroger. Anyway, that's program for this time around. I'm R.J. White. I'm John Morris. And we'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Oh, listen, just one more thing. Honey, I love you. I love you so much. Shut up, you bastard. What? I'll never marry you. I'm not a fool. Teresa, what's wrong, sweetheart? Have you been drinking? Have you been talking to that meddling sister of yours again? No. I don't believe you. Listen, you get some sleep. I'm coming home tomorrow night. We'll talk about it. No, don't. I'm flying to Seattle tomorrow. I despise you. You're a joke. I hate you. I hate you. Oh, honey, I love you. I love you so much. Shut up, you bastard. What? I'll never marry you. I'm not a fool. Teresa, what's wrong, sweetheart? Have you been drinking? Have you been talking to that meddling sister of yours again? No! I don't believe you. Listen, you get some sleep. I'm coming home tomorrow night and we'll talk about it. Don't you ever come back. I hate you. I hate you.